Philippians 3, verse 12 to the end of the chapter. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stands firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Good morning, Pat. So Paul kind of jumps to the point here in chapter three, and it's just simply this. His continued focus is on the prize. The thing that matters most above all things is the prize, the perfection, the power of the resurrection, the perfection in the resurrection that comes. You know, his term of the prize we so often see in, in other passages as well, running the race, and it had this picture of an Olympic athlete, this athlete who was running after a prize, who would run so as to win. And, and if you've ever seen a race, you know that often a race is won or lost in those final seconds. If your focus is the finish line, you slow down right before the finish line. Instead, they teach you that you have to mentally look past the finish line and run beyond. You have to focus on beyond the finish line. He's talking about how in our call of Christ, we're called to move. We're called to do, we're called to be in Christ. You know, as he's speaking through here, he's talking about baptism. You know, one of the things, it was a mark of one's upward call. It was a mark of one's sign and outward expression that inwardly God was doing something in them. It was a mark of their call. In fact, it was kind of a form of ordination. It was a form of uh, ordination into a mission and a the unity of the mission of the body of Christ and service into God. The things that we're called to do to go and make disciples. Do you realize so often in, in all of our churches, we get stuck between two things. We act like evangelism and discipleship are two completely separate items. Good morning, Steve. We, we act like well, I'm called a disciple. So, you know, as a parent, you don't wait until your child has accepted Christ before you learn to teach, teach them how to pray, before you teach them a little bit about God. Hey, good morning, Mom and Dad. No, you, you evangelize them first. 
evangelism and discipleship are one and the same, but in our churches, we sometimes act like discipleship's the only thing. So it's all about Sunday school and life groups, but we forget that those Sunday schools and life groups are supposed to be going out. They're supposed to be teaching us as believers to go out, to deploy the church. We deliver the word, disciple the believer, and deploy the church to go out and to evangelize. Good morning, Ray. Hope you're feeling well. So this idea, this baptism, this call into being in Christ is an ordination for us all. It is a act of unity in the body of Christ saying, I am called to go out. I, I am called to evangelize and disciple. And we should, as Paul strains strain forward. We strain forward, not focused on the past, not focused on the distractions, but focused on the hope of the resurrection and taking as many people with us as possible. Paul even calls that his single-minded zeal, that he needs to be single-minded, focusing on Christ. Paul was speaking into this about the Mosaic traditions, the traditions of the Judaizers. It, you know, they so often focused on all these distractions, on the bodily circumcision, on the outward acts and signs, the lengths of their tassels, the, the boxes on their foreheads, and all the different rites and rituals that they missed the growth in the Holy Spirit. We are to be striving forward, striving towards our focus on Christ. And he's who works out this maturity in us. He's the one through the Holy Spirit power who grows you and matures you to be more like Christ. Less distracted and more single-minded zeal for the gospel. You know, Paul tells us to not grow complacent, but to keep striving. It's easy in our walk with Christ to become complacent. It's easy in our walk with Christ to become okay with where we're at. And yet the Holy Spirit continually wants to convict and challenge. It's one of the hardest things to do as a pastor to preach a convicting sermon because often people ignore it. Doesn't mean I stop. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's the uh, youngest child in me, I guess. You know, that <laughs> likes to push buttons. I don't know, but you know, it's easy to ignore. It's easy to be uncomfortable by conviction and then decide, you know what, I don't need to go anymore. Instead of accepting the conviction of the Holy Spirit that He should be convicting all of us. I don't care if we've been a saint for fifty years or or more or a brand new believer, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit's conviction. And we strive not towards Christian perfection. That, that's an old term that used to get thrown around in the, the work of sanctification, that we used words like um, entire sanctification, which we still use, but in that we would use this term Christian perfection. In the American uh, mentality, perfection, it, it's an end thing. 
You know, the Mona Lisa was a perfection. It was a work of art of perfection. It was the model of all models. And Jesus Christ is the only Christian perfect model. No one this side of heaven reaches perfection. I've not reached it. You've not reached it, regardless of what you think. <laughs> you know, um, Christian perfection is a term that so often got thrown around and misused because then, especially in the legalism, we took our checklist and we're like, hey, I checked all my boxes today and so therefore I'm perfect. And we spoke in this mentality of Christian perfection, but salvation can be perfect, right? It's it's the, our, our perfection is in our salvation. That's only through Jesus Christ. It's nothing of me, nothing of my own but it's the striving to see the work of Jesus Christ is perfect. He also then warns us about a false security in seeing, in our own seeming perfection when we feel like we've got it all together and that we need to be planted only in Jesus Christ. Remember in um, Ephesians, we used the verse of um, last week to be careful. You think you got it all together, you're going to fall, and I'm not going to find it right now at this moment. But uh, you know, if you think you got it all together, be careful for the fall. Good morning, Michaela. That's right, Ray. We're all a work in progress. We're all continuing to grow. We're all continuing to mature, and we have to realize that. And, and then we need to be planted only in Jesus, not distracted by other things around us. I'm a Christian first. Christ follower first. You know, with the same driving energy that Paul once used to work for or earn his salvation in Judaism, he, he now begins to put uh, to his devotion to being Christ-like, that we ought to have that single-minded zeal to want to be more like Christ, more loving and more lovable. And so, if you've reached perfection or entire or eradication or entire sanctification and and again on the perfection side you can't eradication of sin is another term that we used to use and we do not use in the Nazarene church anymore for a reason because eradication this side of heaven probably is an impossibility <laughs> Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to sin every single day. That was Calvin. John Calvin said that you sin every day in word, thought, or deed. And, and we don't believe that you have to sin every single day. But we aren't perfect this side of heaven. That's the prize that we seek is the glory of the resurrection. So if you think you've been made perfect this side of heaven, well, then you make the final resurrection of no use. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying he's not reached perfection and it won't be until glory that he finally seeks and sees perfection. In the new body, the redeemed, the redeemed soul, spirit, and body and then is more like Christ and made into perfection, not to be made as a God. And we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about heaven and days to come. But if we think we're perfect, it's a challenge. If you think you're perfect, then you make the resurrection of no use. If you think you have all wisdom and all understanding and have not love, then you're nothing but a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You're a bunch of 
noise. Paul's concern for us in, through his tears is a lack of moving forward, a lack of progression in our walk with Christ and of slipping backwards because we choose not to continue to grow. We choose not to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the convicting of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual progress is his pastoral concern for all of them. And let me challenge you in that idea of spiritual progress. We have to focus on being before you can practice doing. Being is first before doing. So think about that. You have to first be Christ-like. You have to first be a student of Christ. You have to first be surrounded in God's word before you can then do. If not, it becomes all about us. It becomes all about my wisdom, my knowledge, and not about what Jesus Christ does in us. Good morning, Robert. It's work in progress. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to convict, correct, and challenge us, to challenge our thinking, to be like Christ. And in Christ-likeness, love should compel us. The love of Christ for all should compel us. You know, it's a concept, the being overdoing, being first before doing. We, I know so many people that get burnt out in ministry or burnt out going to church even and burnt out over learning and growing because they try to do before they've truly allowed Christ to be with them. It's the, the Mary and Martha syndrome, right? If you remember that story, uh, Jesus comes to the town and Martha's trying to be the uh, uh, typical host, trying to please everybody, trying to have the perfect meal. I mean, because it's Jesus after all, right? And so you just wanna, you want everything to be perfect. And instead of helping, Mary is sitting at the feet of the master learning and listening. She's taking time being a disciple being discipled. You know, I think sometimes that's even the issue with teachers and preachers is we stop. We think we've reached perfection. We think we know it all. We think that our degrees, our master's degrees, our theology degrees, that you know, we're, we're learned. I mean, look, I got a bunch of books behind me and I've read them all. And that's, that's only a fraction of them because I've gotten rid of a bunch of others and loaned a lot of others out. And, uh, I, you know, but that doesn't make me the smartest person in the world. And my job is not to make everyone see like me. My job is to point them to Christ, right? Paul said, imitate me as I seek to imitate Christ. The growth and being like Christ should be our first and foremost call as a believer. And then when we want to be more like Christ and we seek to constantly be in his presence, learning from him, that all things, that we begin to see the distractions around us that are 
not central to the kingdom as being not unimportant, but less important than the call to evangelize and disciple believers. Not to be mirrors of me or my personality or my religious affiliations. Remember, Paul called all that or my zeal. Uh, you know, I, I have a zeal for uh, adoption care, orphan care, and yet that's not everybody's zeal. And so I can't force that zeal on everybody. And Paul says that it's being like Christ. Allowing the conviction of the Holy Spirit to tear you apart. And if you've not felt conviction, if you've not felt the leading of the Holy Spirit, then be careful. Be careful. Doesn't mean it happens every day. Okay, I, don't don't get me wrong. Um, but if you don't feel like God is revealing and opening your eyes to things consistently, then maybe you need to look at your posture before God. Maybe you need to look at, are there, you know, search me, O oh God, and see if there's anything, any wicked ways in me, right? Anything, any layers that God needs to pull back. Because remember, gossip, slander, arrogance, all those things are listed in the same line of sins, if you will, as adultery and homosexuality. You know, it's all in that same list. Arrogance, pride, lack of humility. We need to learn to be humble. Humble before God, admitting that we don't have it all together and surrendering lordship and control to Him. Hungry, hungry, devouring, eating the Word of God day in and day out. And smart. People smart. You know, Paul said to, you know, he, he, he went into Athens and said, hey, let me tell you about that unknown God. He didn't downplay their worship of the gods right away, right? He allowed the Holy Spirit to do that. And he goes, let me let me meet you right where you are. So let me end with this. I love the words of Charles Wesley. One of his hymns, not necessarily one that we sing all the time anymore and, and you know, a lot of hymns that Charles Wesley wrote weren't ever really even popular hymns, they, but they were great words, great theology. John and Charles worked tireless, tirelessly to sing theology, to teach people theology through the words of their songs. And I felt this kind of applied to the days of keeping Christ first in our lives, above and beyond all else, because this too shall pass. You will pass. <laughs> uh, this nation will pass. COVID will pass. All this will pass. So keep the main thing the main thing. This is what Charles Wesley says. Jesus, the first and last. On thee my soul is cast. Thou didst thy work begin by blotting out my sin. Thou wilt the root remove and perfect me in love. Yet when the work is done, the work is but begun. Partaker of thy grace, I long to see thy face. The first I prove below, the last I die to know. 
we pray about perfection and we want to we you know we seek that but we won't have it until we receive our prize on the other side of glory i look forward to the next few days we're going to be digging into this more even looking at some things about heaven so god i just love what you're doing in our lives and hearts to mold us and make us more like you more loving and more lovable so god as we said today may we be about being before we're about doing may we not get so busy doing for you that we forget to be with you to get our strength daily lord may we open your word not just here not just listen to somebody unpack it but truly read it devour it taste and see that i am good you promised Lord, keep us in your will. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O God. Guide us, direct us. May we always be focused not on some perfect line, some perfection, some human understanding of perfection, but may we be focused on running this race, as Paul said, the prize that awaits us in heaven. And may we finish strong for your name's sake, for your glory, and through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in the name of your precious Son. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, everybody, and have a great rest of the day.